Tēnā koutou no mai haere mai, welcome to this Q&A special, I'm Jack Tame. This morning, an historic night for Labour in the 2020 general election. To you I say thank you. We will not take your support for granted. And I can promise you, we will be a party that governs for every New Zealander. Three years will be gone in the blink of an eye. And I say to everybody, we will be back. This morning we're going to take a closer look at the shape of the next government, what went so right for Labour and so wrong for National. And of course, New Zealand First is out of Parliament. For 27 years, there's been one party that's been prepared to question the establishment and challenge authority. And tonight, more than ever, that force is still needed. And as for the next challenge, we'll all have to wait and see. <laughs> Here to digest the night's results and consider what it all means for the next government is our panel this morning. Give us a wave, guys. Ephesel Collins, Auckland councillor and Labour Party member. Lawyer and National Party member Liam Here and host of Te Ao with Moana on Māori TV, Moana Mania Porto. We'll be picking their brains over the next two hours. And here in the flesh is the hardest working woman in Tally One News political editor Jessica Muchmakai. Kia ora. Kia ora. Thank you very much, Jack. Let's take a look at the results as they stand at the moment. Keep in mind, it's still a few weeks before the special votes are tallied and the final numbers are confirmed. The current numbers show Labour with 49.1%, National with 26.8%, Act with 8%, the Greens with 7.6%, falling under the 5% threshold and missing out on Parliament is New Zealand First on 2.7%. The New Conservatives 1.5% and the Opportunities Party on 1.4%. For the shape of the next government, this is how it's going to look in the House. Labour commands 64 seats. National has 35. The Greens and ACT both have 10 seats each. And the Māori Party, thanks to that very close win in Waiariki, have just one seat. That means Labour has the numbers to govern alone. I was in Auckland Central at the Labour Party headquarters last night as Judith Collins, uh, Judith Collins, that, that's not a great start, is it? As Jacinda Ardern celebrated with her supporters after an extra long campaign. And we'll begin this morning with Labour's campaign chair, Megan Woods. Good morning to you. Just how significant is this win? Oh, look, I think we've seen some extraordinary results um, that we are seeing. This is, I think, the, the third um, best result for Labour um, that we've had in our history. But under an MEP context, obviously this is the first time that any party's um, secured an, out, an outright majority like this. And I think um, what we're seeing is that there are people that have voted Labour for the first time, and that's not something we're taking for granted. Will you govern alone or will you try and bring in other people? Because I think that Jacinda Ardern and people like yourself like the idea of not just being one big party. Look, um, there's conversations to be had, but we won't see decisions on that today. Uh, we want to try and build as much consensus as possible. But um, there are things that need to come in the, in the coming hours and days. What's your instinct on that, though? Is that, a, a, are you just going to go it alone? Is it a bit silly to think you'll try and bring on buddies? 
Look, I think it's too early. There's conversations to be had, I think, in, in the coming hours and days um, that decisions right. will be made on that. But I think I think there's just so much for people to digest this morning. I don't know if you're anything like me. There's just so many results to go and look at. There, there's so many bits. People need to sit down, take a breath, um, and, and look at how those results pan out. Let's talk about today. What's the plan for today? Jacinda Ardern is getting out and about. And, and we'll be talking to some of the senior players. Can you just walk me through today? Yep, so um, there's, a, there's a group of us um, having a meeting in Auckland. We'll go through some of the results, um, look at what happened um, and, and what the plan is for over the next few days. I mean, just we've been so focused on the campaign plan. We haven't really um, talked a huge amount about, about the plan for today and the days after. We've always thought that this is something that we need to get through the election and achieve the best result we can. And then there's, then there's conversations to be had. I guess one of the priorities is talking about those cabinet positions is that some of the th is that something that's likely to be discussed? Oh, look, and I'm sure the Prime Minister will have given thought to that. I mean, ultimately, these are decisions for the Prime Minister in terms of who does what. Uh, but I, th I think we're, we're looking forward to getting together and, and really charting out what the, the next few hours and the next few days look like. Of course, we won't have that final confirmed uh, result until around the 6th of November. So there's still quite a lot of water to come under the bridge. There's still nearly half a million votes um, that need to come in. Um, so so there, there's quite a bit to play out yet, but I think um, we also probably want to take a moment to um, to kind of um, celebrate um, the the faith that New Zealanders have put in, put in us as a government, um, and think about um, what it is that are going to be the priorities. We know that um, that we've got a clear mandate uh, to, um, for the plan we've been rolling out, and that will be our number one priority: continuing to roll out that recovery plan. As you look through those names of the people who will be leaving. Parliament. Who are you going to miss the most? Oh, look, I think there's some extraordinary results, um, certainly some very unexpected results in there. If I reflect on um, my own city of Christchurch, I don't, I don't think that we're, um, anyone was um, really... Um, expecting us to flip Islam, for example. I think um, we always have... It's Jerry um, Brownlee's seat, of course. Jerry Brownlee's seat, that's right. I mean, you know, dared to believe, uh, but what we saw was something that was unexpected, and I know Sarah, Sarah Pallett, our candidate there, um, is going to be taking some time to think about um, what is the style of MP that the people of Islam um, want now, and what does she need to do there? So I think there, there are some extraordinary results that we saw come through last night. So we need to take some time to reflect on that. All right, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to have too much time to reflect today, but we'll let you go and grab a coffee and jump on a plane to Auckland Thanks, and maybe try and enjoy a few moments today. Thank you very much for your time this morning, Megan Woods. Thanks, See, when it comes to actually deciding whether or not they will have some sort of support um, agreement with the likes of the Māori Party, Labor might actually need to wait until we have the final results from those special votes. Those aren't expected for several weeks. November 6th, the Electoral Commission is aiming to have those uh, special votes tallied for us, and there are almost half a million of those votes, so it could change the results a little bit from uh, where they stand at the moment. Just so you know, uh, this morning's going to be a little bit loosey-goosey. Um, we, we have sent out a lot, of, a lot of messages to a lot of different uh, MPs and former MPs to see if they'll come on the show. We just sort of need to see how people wake up this morning. But throughout the morning we will hear from various political parties and we'll take a look at last night's more surprising results. And of course, you can send us your thoughts on how this election has played out. Kōrero mai.
We're on Twitter at NZQ&A. You can email us, q and at tvnz.co.nz. Up next, where to now for National? A big defeat for the opposition. We ask what it means for their leader and the next three years in opposition. This loss, a stronger, disciplined and more connected party. That was National Leader Judith Collins speaking to Party Faithful last night. It was an enormous defeat for the opposition after a tumultuous year of leadership changes and scandal. Numerous electorates were flipped from National to Labour, including that of National's campaign chair, Jerry Brownlee, who is with us this morning. Morning, and welcome to Q&A. Uh, good morning, Jack. How are you feeling this morning? Oh, well, obviously a little disappointed, but uh, the reality is that the voters have spoken. And so congratulations to the Labour Party for a very historic win uh, and the opportunity to, to govern for another three years. That's as, uh, about all you can say, really. As campaign chair, what responsibility do you take for this result? Uh, well, I was a campaign chair from July. Uh, so, look, inevitably there will be an internal sort of discussion about... Uh, uh, you know, what went wrong, all that sort of thing. I'll be part of that. Mm. Uh, and if there's uh, any particular culpability my way, then I've got to wear that. But, I mean, what, what do you think? You, you've been in politics a long time. How do you assess your own performance over the last couple of months? Uh, look, I think we ran a very good on-the-ground campaign. We had all those distractions that you spoke of. I think they got uh, in, the, in the way of things. And I think, too, you can't uh, underestimate just how much there was a uh, herding uh, instinct uh, adopted behind the, 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 the whole of the COVID-19 thing. And I say that without wanting to take away mm. anything from the uh, success of our, our opponents. But, but, but let's consider the controllables. I accept that there are some uncontrollable things in this campaign, but um, over the time you've been uh, the campaign chair, you personally pushed a conspiratorial message about the government covering up a COVID-19 outbreak. And just the last week of the campaign, your leader spent most of her time talking about obesity and her Christianity as opposed to the party's policy platform. So again, what responsibility do you take for that? Uh, well, it was uh, a huge mistake on my part. It wasn't actually intended. I was being slightly flippant and uh, got presented in a way which was quite understandable uh, and it shouldn't have happened. On the, the issue of uh, you know, uh, the, the leader taking a position on obesity and, and uh, religion, look, I think Judith campaigned incredibly well under huge pressure uh, and took up the mantle uh, when uh, two other leaders had been uh, set aside. And I think her work ethic throughout the uh, time that she has, has campaigned has been extraordinary. So I don't take any away from that. There's lots and lots of things you can say, lots of things that you can uh, sort of say, well, that was the moment, that was the problem. We'll go through that exercise, we'll have a look at it. Do you think but in you... the end, there is a result and... Uh, you know, we have a government. Do you think you gave your MPs the key messages they needed to be competitive in this campaign? They were getting uh, key messages on a daily basis and the vast majority uh, in the electorates were sticking to those messages. And look, um, you know, don't, who, don't who forget... Uh, no, don't forget... No, who wasn't? Who, who, who didn't stick to those messages? If, if the vast majority stuck to them, who didn't? Well, on some days, some people wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be speaking. They'd be out door knocking or or uh, pamphlet no, delivering. That's not what you're suggesting. Who didn't stick to the messages? If the no, vast majority stuck to them, I think you're uh, somewhat mischievously picking up uh, a, a, a way in which I expressed uh, the fact that I think um, we were on message most of the time. 
obviously you've just pointed to uh, situations where sometimes if you respond to a question mm. that comes from uh, those who are commentating on the the uh, uh, the uh, process uh, yep you will get a bit mm. distracted and uh, that has been a problem but look we'll sort that out as uh, the results were flowing in last night I hit the phones and I want to read you a quote from a national MP I spoke to last night Jerry Brownlee wanted to be campaign chair He's not a reluctant hero. He crawled over broken glass to get the job. There was no strategy. There was no plan. Candidates had zero knowledge about key messages because there were none. You can't sing from the same song sheet if there is no song sheet. What is your response to that? There was a daily song sheet called the uh, Daily Digest and uh, uh, the key messages were published on that every morning for all candidates. So why would an MP tell me that last night as the results were coming in? Well, you should get that MP on your program and, and ask them directly. Are you aware of that sort of disunity? Uh, look, uh, not particularly. It's not something that's been uh, uh, evident uh, at any point. There have been people saying things at various times that uh, reporters have, have uh, brought up. Uh, uh, your opposing channel was particularly good at that. Uh, but uh, I haven't noticed that disunity. You haven't noticed... And I think the other thing is, um, uh, you know, you say what you like, we've had a shocking year, absolutely shocker, right from the start. Mm. And you can go back even further to that with the, uh, the fallout from Jamie Lee Ross. You know, you can't have uh, those sorts of things happening all the time uh, and, uh, and, and, and then uh, continue to happen during a campaign and expect that you're going to get a staggering result. I think Judith was put in a... a an awful position. She took it up and she's done a great job. She, she wanted to be leader for as, as long as time. That, that doesn't make any difference to the circumstances in which she became leader. Well, should she stay? Yes, I believe so. I think uh, that would be totally the wrong thing to know at the moment to uh, head down a track of, of uh, a leadership discussion. Have you spoken to her? Yes, I have. What did you say? Oh, well, we talked last night extensively about... Uh, uh, the result, obviously. I'm not going into what that conversation was about. Uh, and she has expressed a desire to, uh, to stick around. We'll have a further discussion tomorrow. Does the whole caucus support Judith Collins remaining as national leader? Well, we're going to find that out. To the best uh, of your knowledge, does the whole caucus support Judith Collins remaining as national leader? Uh, at, at the moment, Judith Collins is the leader of the National Party and has the support of the caucus. Does she have support of the whole caucus? Well, that's one of those silly questions that you ask because obviously if there's a leadership uh, contest with more than one... To the best one, of your knowledge, on does she have the on. support of the whole caucus? You, look, you can keep asking your question. I'll give you an answer. The answer is that just at any time... Yeah. I'm trying to, but you keep interrupting, uh, which you're very good at, by the way. I think, I think um, the, uh, at any time that you have a leadership contest where there's more than one candidate, quite clearly there are votes go to other candidates. So when you say the whole caucus, the whole caucus always unites behind the leader. And that's where we're at at the moment. Will you commit to remaining in Parliament for the next three years? Uh, well, that's for me to think about over the next uh, few days. Are you suggesting that you might reconsider your future having not one island? I'm just telling you that I'm going to have a think about things over the next few days. OK, is that as a result of, of the numbers as, they, as they've come in? Uh, for Islam. Well, Islam, for for Islam and, uh, for, and, for the, and for the National Party. Well, look, Sarah Pallett has won Islam. I phoned her last night and uh, uh, offered my congratulations and best wishes as she takes on that role. Uh, 
we're obviously going to mm. have a look over the next few days about how we re restructure uh, to be an effective opposition. And look, I don't think honestly that the specials are going to make that much difference okay. to but the, at the overall moment, result. Just to be clear, you will not commit at the moment to remaining in Parliament for the next three years? Well, I'm not being committal one way or the other, Jack. And I don't think it's reasonable for you uh, to start asking for that sort of uh, uh, position a, a day after, less than, less than 24 hours, probably just over 14, 15 hours uh, since the results well, of the election. You know things known. change quickly in politics. Does National need a Yeah, they do, but they shouldn't change that quickly in broadcasting. In broadcasting? Well, you're a broadcaster. You've, you've, you're racing to reach a position that I can't, uh, I can't respond to. OK. Thank you for your time this morning. We appreciate it. I know it was a late night. That is National's campaign chair, Jerry Brownlee. Let's bring in our panel. Liam here, lawyer and National Party member, the host of Te Ao with Moana, Moana Maniapoto, and Auckland councillor and Labour Party member, Ephesal Collins. Kia ora koutou. Yeah. Um, Liam, you were tis tisking and, and shaking your head during that interview. Uh, what was your reaction? Um, look, uh, no, listen, I think um, at various points... Um, uh, Jerry Brownlee was pretty admirable in taking, um, not trying to sugarcoat it, you know, and how mm. could you? It was it's a disaster. Um, look, from my perspective, I think um, I, you made you raised the excellent point. There are the things that you could they could control, and the things that they couldn't control, and they they couldn't control the things they needed to. Voters hate disunity. They can't stand it. You talk to any Labour um, person who was there in 2011 and 2014. The mere fact that you got that text message that the National Party is willing to talk to you and say those things is a terrible sign. Um, the, look, the National Party has remains, it's still got really good foundations, but until they can get it together and they stop this leaking and this uh, talking to your, people like your good self, mm. it's, it's not going to get better. All right. I, I want to ask each of you what, what your, your biggest takeaway is from the election results as they stand. Moana, what is it for you? Oh, I think the reinvigoration of the Māori Party. It picked up one seat. There was, uh, uh, I guess, a big hope that um, Tamaki Makoto and uh, Te Taiha would, would come through. Um, but I think that's really exciting, and I put that down to the great leadership of um, the two co-leaders. And I think John Tamahiri can take a lot of credit too. He's um, reinvented himself as, um, you know, an activist... Um, which is which is fascinating given his Labour Party roots where he was in uh, for sure the seabed era. So I think that, that that created a momentum and a big conversation in Māori circles. Those yeah. were the two parties that people were looking at, was Labour and Māori Party, and, and how much of a challenge that would be. You know, it's interesting when, you know, all the numbers come through in the wash and we're focused on the <coughs> National Party or the Māori Party, it's easy to forget just how significant this win is for Labour, Ephesal. Yeah, this has been a phenomenal win for the Labour Party. I think this is the carry-on or perhaps the, the stronger tide of Jacinda mania. Mm. And a lot of people have put it down to a, a very presidential type campaign that was run in this election. Mm. Uh, Jacinda Ardern's been leading that campaign. She's been on the TV at one o'clock almost every day. So I think the Labour Party have really formed around her. They're, they're a strong group at the moment. And it's interesting listening to what's going on in National because it reminds me of what was happening to Labour back in, uh, under Gough and uh, then mm. under Cunliffe. So yeah, they've got some rebuilding to do, but I think this is a real strengths-based approach for Labour going Sh forward. Should Labour govern alone? 
I think that's a conversation they're going to have, uh, as Megan Woods was saying. But I, I would, uh, if, if I was the leader, which I'm not, I would extend uh, uh, my, an arm out to the Greens to see what is possible. Mm. And I'd even be looking at if, if the Māori result that for uh, what Waiariki, yeah, Waiariki uh, is confirmed, uh, then I would be talking uh, to uh, that Māori Waititi as well. Because it's mm. important that, you know, they've said, the Māori Party have said they'd only work with Labour this time around. They heard from their constituents. So that's probably a way that uh, Labour could extend an olive branch. Uh, Liam and Moana, I'll give that question to you as well. Moana, do you think Labour should govern alone? Well, um, Māori made it quite clear in, in, a, in a lot of the lead-up that they wanted to see a coalition. They want they they were looking at Labour, they were looking at voting mm. strategically <clears throat> with Green, with Māori. So, I mean, if Jacinda Ardern is the... Um, consensus builder that she claims to be she w would make a re you know she would reach out to greens and maori but i mean if they hold her to account by not going in as mm. close as they could then that's a powerful position too Liam? Couldn't agree more. Look, there's um, there's no real reason why Ardern wouldn't offer to work with them to keep them in the fold. Um, in fact, if she's doing it from a position of strength, what she gains is the ability to control them somewhat and to, to blunt mm. any criticism. Mm. Um, and uh, and she's not uh, over a barrel in terms of having to give them what they want. So um, I think that would be very wise for Ardern to... So, so what might that relationship look like? What form would it take, do you think? Uh, well, with the Greens, um, I expect that they'll they'll probably want to be a full coalition partner under this um, sort of uh, confidence and supply only stuff. Cabinet ministers? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and uh, and and uh, it would it would be worth it for Ardern to to give them roles where they're not going to scare the horses. Mm. Uh, if they can, the Greens can stomach that. Jacinda will probably give it to them. Mm. What sort of role do you think Rawiri Waititi could play if he's in some sort of relationship with the next government? That's a very, <clears throat> that's a very tricky one because, um, well, they don't have the mass, obviously, and mm. there has been a, a resounding mm, vote for the Māori Labour mm. Caucus. I mean, the Māori Labour Caucus have really got to power in on the next term. Mm. This, this um, uh, term we've just come out of has set some um, building block for incremental change, mm. but they're on notice, so um, they need to find a way to dampen down Māori Party support or bring it in together, you mm. know, work together to um, build up Māori gains in the next term. I'm not quite sure how they would be able to work with Rawiri. Mm. Um, Liam, interesting to hear Jerry Brownlee there. Not at this stage, and, and of course it's only the morning after, so you know that's fair enough. But not, not at this stage, committing to spending the next three years in government, do you, uh, in, in parliament. Do you think National needs a refresh? I think that they should uh, avoid doing anything rash. Um, you know, um, quick decision making, impulsive decision making, losing their nerve is, is part of what got them into this mess, and it, it is a mess. They're always going to lose this election. It wasn't inevitable they were going to lose it this badly. God. I, if, I, <laughs> if I was, if my advice to the National Caucus um, is would be this: it's, um, don't change leader until you know that the person who comes in is going to get as many votes as Collins got last night and at least one more. Don't do it hoping that for a better result. Wait until the opportune moment. And any National MP who wants to bring to a head a, 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 another leadership contest within the party, given that Judith wants to stay mm. in the role, is a fool. Who would they want? Who, mm. Who's the potential, Liam? 
it's listen, it's, it's, it's trial and error in some to some respects. I mean, it's, there's been a lot of trials. <laughs> yes, that's right. But you know, like, <laughs> Labor's been through it. You know, we, we, there's like you, you, you keep changing leader until and all of a sudden one sticks. But you yeah. can't do it too frequently. Ifisa, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I, I think they're going to struggle because they really don't have a, a much of a caucus anymore. 20 seats are gone for them, 20 members are gone. So, so they're going to have some real problems looking towards another leader. I would say, look, stick with what you've got at the moment until you've actually rebuilt to the point where you can yeah. push on. There's a lot of talk around Chris Luxon. He's a new MP. He's not going to be able to go for the leadership. Mm. But there may be other. Simon Bridges was really um, hard on... Uh, the, the, the talk last night on this He channel. was, and yeah. He, he was not mucking around. I don't know if he was signalling, I'm still around, do, guys. Do you think with the benefit of hindsight uh, there will be some National MPs regretting rolling Simon Bridges? There will be National MPs who regretted that throughout the campaign. And I was a critic of the, of the coup, and I, rem I, I do feel a little bit vindicated about that mm. criticism. If you kept Simon, you wouldn't have won the election last night but you would have had a clean break last night. Simon would probably have resigned, having led the party to a defeat. Instead, you have this indecisive result where mm -hmm. Judith Collins can say, uh, look, well, it wasn't my, my fault. Okay, I, I got a hospital yeah. pass. Yeah. Mm. Simon Bridges can say, look, I didn't get a chance. I was, I was pol my polling had me winning being prime minister back in February. Yeah, it's, a, it's this is the, the wounded feelings are still there, and that's what they've got to sort. All right, thank you, Liam Moana and Afisa. We'll be back with you again shortly. Coming up on Q&A, from one MP to ten MPs. A big night for David Seymour and ACT. But what will they be able to achieve from the opposition benches? Welcome back to Q&A. From one MP to ten MPs, ACT will be returning to Parliament with a much larger caucus for the next parliamentary term. Reporter Fenner Owen was there with the party faithful last night as the results came in. ACT leader David Seymour's triumphant arrival at his own party. He timed his arrival when ACT had just reached 8% and suddenly its leader, a one-man show since 2011, had nine fellow MPs about to join him in Parliament. This election party was upbeat from the start, party faithful hoping the recent poll results would prove to be right. Candidates from way down the list and way down the country turned up to support their leader. I'm actually the candidate for Waitaki um, from the South Island and uh, very pleased after pulling all the billboards in yesterday to get up here and be able to celebrate with the team. What particularly appeals to you about ACT? Oh, oh, basically the backing of free speech and private property rights. I see the, the efficiencies in the capitalist system over the inefficiencies in the communist system. That's, where I, that's why I'm here. Very few of the guests here have been with the party since it kicked off in 1994. Richard Preble was at the helm then, and the party had nine MPs. The first time you've voted ACT. That's correct, yes. So, so where do you come from in the political spectrum? So I'm just Aaron from Morrinsville. Um, yeah, but who did you vote for last time? Oh, national. Traditionally, I was actually a national voter. So, traditionally national, yep. As the numbers came in, lives began to change. So, three hours ago, you were an engineer and now you're an MP? That's what it looks like, Fenner. We know some of you, but can you say your name and your ranking? Sure, my name's Nicole McKee and I'm the number three candidate. Tony Severin and number nine. 
Brooke Van Velden, the deputy leader. So, Tony, you'll, you'll slip in. You'll come in. It looks like I am, which is quite exciting. It's yeah. been hard work, but I'm fantastic about it. So you've got a lot of work ahead of you, getting used to the processes of Parliament? Yep, lots to learn, but it's exciting. And, and that guy will probably give you a few tips, won't yes, he? most definitely. <laughs> but how is David Seymour going to manage a group of absolute beginners? You know, I basically led research teams in think tanks, coached rugby for seven seasons. Coaching so, rugby, so you think coaching rugby is going to help you manage these newbies? Are you saying it wouldn't? Of course it would, you know, leading a team is leading a team. Deputy Leader Brooke Van Valden has had some parliamentary experience. She's now waiting on the end-of-life choice referendum. I'm feeling very positive about the result. The seasoned firearms campaigner Nicole McKee is a recent convert to ACT. Do you think you've brought quite a few from the firearms community into the ACT camp? I think I've brought quite a few from New Zealand community into the ACT camp, along with my other really great candidates. Do you have a firearms licence? Uh, yes, I do. Have you got a gun licence? Yes. In the corner of the venue is a man nervously watching the results. David Seymour's dad. He credits his late wife for his son's success. She is the person that made him what he is today. His mother. His mother. His late mother. Yeah, his late mother. Fortunes may have turned for ACT, but they're still in the opposition. Its party leader is already making plans to change that. This is not our 2020 campaign election night party. This is our 2023 election campaign So exactly who will be joining David Seymour in Parliament? Let's see if you recognise any of these names here on the list. These guys are all set to become new MPs and there's not a whole lot of familiar faces on the list there. We've got to know a few of them during the campaign. Joining me now in the studio is Axe David Seymour. First of all, congratulations. Well, thanks, Jess. How are you feeling? Oh, look, um, you know, mixed. Um, I don't like the results overall, um, but I want to congratulate uh, Jacinda Ardern for doing something quite historic. We've never had one party uh, rule under MMP uh, in 24 years, and so you know, this is new territory for New Zealand, and I think it's going to be critical that we have uh, a strong opposition uh, and ACT will play uh, an important and hopefully constructive role uh, in making sure that we actually hold the government accountable, but also put forward ideas for how we can do better, because the world's just changed. Um, globally, and our small island nation's going to have to adapt fast with it. It has changed a lot. Even last year, would you have imagined in your wildest dreams you would have had 10 MPs in Parliament? Uh, look, I, I think that this has been a, a, a rapid rise, but we did actually prepare for it. So, you know, 18 months ago we started with our School of Practical Politics, uh, recruiting and training up uh, potential MPs, uh, and I think that's why we're able to say that we've got quite a lot of quality uh, coming in. So people will say, you know, do they have experience as members of parliament? Of course they don't. Everyone has to be a new MP at some point. Um, but I would say that the experiences that a lot of these folks have probably actually better than being a politician. I, I note these things. You, I mean, you were the king of the photo op. You, we had you jumping out of a plane last night. You mm. came in on a boat. And mm. even though they seem like small things, they were all part of a bigger picture of a campaign. Mm. Mm. What do you pinpoint the success of your campaign on? 
Look, you guys in TV keep showing us doing that stuff, so we'll keep doing it. But um, really, I think the campaign has been about how do we listen and hear people's concerns and aspirations in this very uncertain time. And if you look at you know, public health, we've said, look, this virus is not going anywhere. We've got to be smarter in the way that we adapt. Uh, we've said this debt is not sustainable. We've got to have a better plan uh, for getting on top of it. And ultimately, got to go forward and rebuild a country we can all be proud of. So it's those messages uh, that are the substance, but it was fun jumping out of a plane. <laughs> Fenner's <laughs> touched on it a little bit in yeah. that track. Mm. There's a whole lot of um, MPs coming in. Mm. How well do you know all of them? Or are you going to have yeah. to do a bit of that over the next few weeks? Oh, look, obviously um, some of them I know very well. You know, Brooke I've worked with very closely for three years uh, on the End of Life Choice Act. You know, Tony Severin, uh, James McDowell, uh, those folks have been involved in ACT for a very long time. Um, but, you know, Nicole McKee, I've spent uh, many, many days on the bus over the last uh, few weeks uh, and uh, she's just absolutely fabulous. Uh, Simon Court is a, a fellow engineer and how could you not like uh, the rural wide dairy farmer uh, Mark Cameron. So you know we're going to have a really talented uh, group of people from all walks of life with a lot of different experiences um, and uh, I think people are going to be impressed by the ACT team. There are a lot of people leaving mm. Parliament having a look through the list. Mm. I put this question to Megan mm. Woods as well. Who are you going to miss out of those departing politicians? Uh, look, I, I haven't seen the list, so I wouldn't want to find that someone's leaving and, and What about uh, and Winston Peters? Oh, <laughs> look, I think the less said, the better. So in terms of him going, what mm. do you make of, of that, obviously, mm. an end of an era? Mm. Um, well, uh, uh, an era or an era? There we go. I guess Winston Peters, and um, we have also invited him to come on the show as well. He, he may, that may encourage him to do so. In terms of your priorities mm. in opposition, what's what's something that you are going to need to do this time to be on the other side of the debating chamber yeah. in three years' time? Well, well look, I think you know, everything has been overshadowed by COVID, and and you can understand that. Um, but our agenda really is to give people uh, a better way forward on some of those underlying issues. So if you look at Karen Chua coming in as our number seven candidate. You know, everyone in Parliament says they want to reform Orangatamariki or, or SIFs or SIPs or whatever it's called at any given time. Uh, Karen's actually been a SIPs kid. Um, you know, when you look at education, you know, Chris Bailey's been a teacher for 15 years. Um, we still have shocking statistics. Uh, the same with welfare. You know, Nicole McKee's talking about that. Mental health, Brooke van Valden uh, has developed a great platform on mental health. So we're going to develop those platforms and broaden them. Uh, and then you look at a guy like da Damien Smith, corporate finance, very big business background. Productivity growth is a real problem. So what we want to do is show New Zealanders uh, a better way forward because while I you know, want to congratulate the Prime Minister for her re-election, um, I do think a lot of those deeper issues uh, are still piling up and we need better ways forward. What kind of leader are you going to be? You're going to have a whole lot of new MPs coming in who have had zero parliamentary experience. It's a weird bubble that we're all in in Wellington. What advice are you going to give to them and how are you going to lead them? Well, first of all, can I just say, you know, Fenner thought it was funny that, you know, coaching rugby for seven seasons doesn't help. Actually, leading a team is really uh, helpful. It is something I've done in my previous career. Um, and, you know, over the last six years, the reason we've been able to do all of this is because we've built a really good organisation with our board, our membership, our committees, um, you know, our donors, our volunteers. Um, so, you know, we've been building that organisation. And how have we done that? Well, basically, just by making an environment where people can succeed. Uh, and what we're 
going to be doing with our caucus is having an environment where you know we've got a clear common purpose, uh, but we also want to have a team environment uh, where people who are good uh, can become extraordinary performers. Uh, that's the the view I take. That's what we've tried to do, um, or I've tried to do in other fields, and that's how I'll try and lead this caucus because I think they've got a lot of potential. Just finally, what's your advice to the National Party now? Mm. Oh, look, I, I couldn't. They probably don't need any advice from me at this particular point. But uh, the main maybe, th maybe they do, <laughs> I think, is the point. <laughs> look, I mean, if, if there's ever been a, a difference and a reason that, that I didn't join National is that it's not enough just to oppose Labour but ultimately want to take their seats and, um, and do the same thing. Uh, you've got to articulate a clear vision. I look at New Zealand and what it means to be a New Zealander. It means, you know, our ancestors and, and many New Zealanders themselves have made the largest the longest journey any human has ever made uh, to give their kids a better tomorrow. Uh, that's the New Zealand spirit. We're children of pioneers and we don't want to settle for, for mediocre policy. We've always got to be setting out a bigger and better vision. Uh, that's what ACT tried to do um, and that's what I'd advise uh, any party to do for New Zealand. We need that contest of ideas. Alright, well we really appreciate your time this morning and appreciate you coming in so yeah. early after such a big night last night. So thank you no very problem. much for your thank time you, this Jess. morning. Yeah, we'll <laughs> oh, I have a lot of people to thank, but just before midnight. Oh, this is very <laughs> responsible. All right, thanks, David. Coming up on Q&A, we'll speak to the Greens and ask how they will try and influence the next government. Plus, New Zealand first. Is this the end for New Zealand's most enduring MP? We will try and get an interview with Winston Peters and look back at his career. For the Green Party, James and I, and all of our wonderful MPs, we are beyond thrilled to be able to say, we did it! <laughs> that is Marama Davidson speaking there, as well as a good result for the party. Chloe Swarbrick also won the seat of Auckland Central for the Greens. Let's have a look at the numbers as they stand at the moment. Keep in mind we are still waiting on the tallies from the special votes to come in, but at the moment the numbers as they stand show that Chloe Swarbrick has just over 9,000 votes in Auckland Central. Labor's Helen White has 8,500. National's Emma Mallow has 7,500. So that's a win to Chloe Swarbrick as it stands by just under 500 votes. Like I say, special votes still to be counted. The Greens will return to Parliament and Green Party co-leader James Shaw is with us this morning. Morena. Good morning. How are you feeling? Stoked. <laughs> They're going to clip that up and put it on the internet. I yeah, yeah. That much. <laughs> yeah it, it, was it a result that exceeded your expectations? Yes, it was. I mean, you know that the Greens historically uh, haven't done as well on polling day as we have done in the, in the opinion polls leading up. We actually overperformed against most of the polls. Um, and so that was historic. Chloe's win in Auckland Central was historic. Um, you know, the fact that we're the only uh, party to have gone into, sorry, the only support party mm -hmm. to have gone into government on more than 5%, come out the other side also on more than 5%, you know, actually build our support. The fact that our support grew at the same time as our coalition partner or, you know, confidence and supply partner, the Labour Party, their vote also obviously clearly increased. So it was just a night of firsts. Yeah. What's, what are you going to be? Are you going to be a coalition partner, a, a confidence and supply partner? Or I'll tell you in a couple of weeks. Oh, have you spoken <laughs> with Justin Rodin? No, I actually haven't had a chance. We'd sort of exchange text messages at some hour of the morning. What did you say? Congratulations. And what did she say to you? The same. 
Was there any talk about what the shape of the next government might be or any relationship between Labour and the Greens? No, that'll all come over the coming days and weeks. What would you like to see? Well, you know, obviously we are in Parliament in order to create change, right? To do what we can on climate action, uh, on protecting nature, on making sure everyone's got a roof over their heads. Uh, and so what we can do uh, to advance that, we will do. That's why we're there. Labor doesn't need you, though. Well, you know, on, they've clearly got a majority in the House, but I think that there are good reasons why they might ask us uh, to um, join up with them in the, in the course of the next government. Um, we've got some experienced and competent uh, ministers that they'll want to be able to utilise some of that experience. They'll want us around for 2023. You know, they'll be thinking about the long term there. And also they'll want as large a majority in the House as possible mm. um, because that has an influence on things like select committee memberships and all of that kind of stuff. So I think there's some good reasons why they would say actually it makes sense. And, and also when you consider that you know, many Labour voters are also Green voters and vice versa, that when people are casting their votes, they're, they're actually casting their votes for a Labour Green government. When you go into those negotiations, will you be asking to be a Cabinet Minister? Jack, all of these things are... Um, you must know that. Well, look, you must know that. Uh, look, obviously, uh, you know, I'm really proud of the work that I've done as Minister for Climate Change over the course of the last three years. Um, I would obviously like the opportunity because I was really just getting started. Mm. But ultimately, all of those things will be a function of the negotiations themselves. But I mean, so, you see, you see, I mean, you want to be at the cabinet table, though. You want Green MPs at the cabinet table. Well, I want I want Green MPs to be in a position to do as much good as they can do. Um, the res, you know, but I, the reason that I'm kind of uh, you know, being cagey about it is because I don't know what the work program is going to look like. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know what that, what that agreement will look like. And so it's hard for me to commit to anything in the absence of that. And all of that will come as a result of conversations that we haven't even started having yet. We heard Jacinda Ardern and Grant Robertson last night quite deliberately saying they will govern for all New Zealanders, mm. i.e. they will govern for people who perhaps in the past voted for National mm. and have come across to Labor. Does that mean you might find it more difficult to accelerate the kind of change you want? No, look, I, 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 I like to think that we govern in the interests of all, uh, of all New Zealanders at the moment. Um, and so, uh, you know, I know people... They, they were teeing up a centrist agenda. Well, sure. Some, some yeah, of no, that language that. last night yeah. was teeing up a centrist agenda. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, and they've got a colossal mandate, uh, you know, which does stretch right mm. across the, uh, the political spectrum. And good on them. Congratulations to them. At the same time, you know, we know that we are running out of time on climate change, like that we don't have... Uh, that that window of opportunity to do anything about it is closing very rapidly. We know that there, the housing crisis is getting worse, not better. Uh, and so I think that there are good reasons for accelerating on some of those things. You're going to take a wealth tax into those negotiations? I'm going to take everything that I campaigned on into those negotiations. We'll see what happens. a wealth tax. Yeah, well, that was one of the things that we campaigned on. Interesting. Talk to me about Chloe Swarbrick. How significant is that win in Auckland? It is, it is absolutely historic. So there has, and my understanding is that under MMP, no one from a third party has ever won a general seat without mm. at least a tacit nod from uh, one of the major party leaders. Uh, and so despite the fact that there was absolutely no deal uh, on the table, she won it on, it on its merits and on her merits, and we're really, really proud of her. Yeah, what does that say about Chloe Swarbrick as... A politician. She is a phenomenon. Like, there's no doubt about that. She was able to galvanise something like a thousand volunteers. She raised huge amounts of money. Um, she had an incredibly good campaign strategy. 
uh, people really warm to her um, mm. as, a, as a candidate. And I've had all these messages from people who I know who live in Auckland Central saying that they're just so delighted to feel represented by someone who they share those sort of values and, and that kind of intelligence that she brings. I know her um, campaign office is on K Road. She's probably still there this morning. Is she? <laughs> I don't know where she is, but I hope that she's in bed getting some well-deserved rest. New Zealand first. Your reaction to that result? Uh, look, it, unsurprising, really. I think the fact is that they had, when they went in in 2017, you know, roughly half their support base wanted them to go with National, the other half wanted them to go with Labor, so they were always going to lose half their support straight off the bat. They did. Um, but, but then, of course, they spent much of the next three years undermining the Labour Party, uh, and so the people who wanted them to go with Labour, who were pleased that they then do, went, went with Labour, were then irritated with them for being a spanner in the works for Labour. So they didn't do what I, I think, that they didn't do what their own voters wanted them to do. Uh, and then, of course, I think the move that uh, David Seymour made, scooping up the gun lobby, um, really was the coup de grace. Um, in the end, do you, oh, do, do you think this is the end of Winston Peters' political career? Well, I'd be astonished. I mean, he, he's 75 years old uh, and he's been in Parliament, well, he was first elected to Parliament when I was five. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I mean, you'll have to ask him that question, but he would be 78 at the next election, having had a 40-year parliamentary mm. career. If I was him, I'd be, you know, going fishing. All right. Thank you for your time this morning. Look forward to speaking in the coming weeks. Green Party co-leader James Shaw. Winston Peters, if you are watching this morning, Kōrero Mai, we would love to ask you that question. We would love to interview you or any of the New Zealand First caucus. Coming up, Labor's Grant Robertson, who has comfortably held on to Wellington Central. And yes, New Zealand First. We're on the ground in Russell trying to get an interview with Winston Peters. Plus, we will look back at his long and lively career. Well, everybody's going to get on and retire, and I don't want to be in this job until... Uh Somebody says I have to go. I suppose give it another 15 years. Our plan is already in action and already working. But after this result, we have the mandate to accelerate our response and our recovery, and tomorrow we start. If you're just joining us this morning, a reminder of how the current numbers stack up in this year's election. Keep in mind it'll be a few weeks before special votes are tallied and the final numbers are confirmed. The current numbers show Labour with 49.1%, National with 26.8%, ACT with 8%, the Greens with 7.6%. Falling under the 5% threshold and missing out on Parliament is New Zealand first on 2.7%. The New Conservatives 1.5% and the Opportunities Party on 1.4%. For the shape of the next government, this is how it looks in the House. Labour commands 64 seats, National has 35, the Greens and ACT both have 10 seats each and the Māori Party, thanks to that very close Waiariki seat, have just one seat. That means that Labour has the numbers to govern alone. Labour's Grant Robertson was re-elected as the MP for Wellington Central. He joins us this morning from Wellington. How are you feeling? Oh, good morning, Jess. Uh, good. Yeah, no, it's been a... It's good. Been a 
It's been a, it's been a well you know look this is a result that's the result of a lot of hard work. Um, it's actually an incredibly humbling result for us, uh, and one where you know we've got a lot of work to do to keep the faith of many people who've come across and voted for us, perhaps for the first time. So you know I've woken up this morning feeling delighted, pleased, proud, and humbled. Yeah, I was waiting for those superlatives. I'm really glad that they came. <laughs> Let's get down to business. The Greens and the Māori Party, will you bring them into the fold? Look, they're not decisions for today, and, and we still have around half a million votes, actually, to be counted with the, with the specials and the overseas votes. Uh, so we'll take those decisions in time. Uh, but obviously, you know, Jacinda Ardern's leadership style is one to build consensus, and so we'll look to do that. But, but we sought a very strong mandate for Labor, and we've got that strong mandate. And so um, we'll look at those final results before we make any, any final decisions. Why would you, though? What's the point? Well, as I say, um, you know, the leadership style you've seen from Jacinda over the last three years is to bring people together. And as she spoke about last night, we want to be a government for all New Zealanders. As we move through COVID, and you know, there is still a way to go with COVID in terms of both its health and economic uh, implications, we want to be able to, you know, to build a strong platform for that and build consensus. But we have a mandate, uh, and we're getting on today with working out how we roll our plan out over the next three years. James Shaw mentioned in that interview that it might be smart to to try and bring them on board because then planning ahead to 2023 and going forward where you might be in a position to need them. Does he have a point there? Well, as I say, I, I just come back to the style of government that we've tried to operate. And, you know, we work in three-year blocks in New Zealand. That's what we do. Uh, we have a very strong mandate as Labour um, from last night. We have a plan that New Zealanders know about, uh, and we want to get about implementing that plan. But we want to take New Zealanders with us. And so once we see those final results, we'll be able to make the decisions around the kind of structure of government. But Labour, obviously, will be at the core of that, and we'll be getting on with the recovery and the rebuild from COVID-19. Do you think that New Zealanders like the idea under MMP that it's just one big fat party? <laughs> I'm not sure what you're saying about us when you call us that, Just Jess, the party, <laughs> Mr Robertson. That topic did come up during the election <laughs> campaign. Didn't think we'd be covering it today. Uh, no. yeah, be very clear, I'm talking about the party. <laughs> I know that you are. Look, you know, MMP is, is a system of government that New Zealanders have obviously got used to, but last night we saw, you know, an historic result for Labour in terms of the mandate we've got. We have to keep faith with New Zealanders who voted for us on the basis of our plan. But we always want to build consensus and build, you know, um, as strong a group of people as possible behind uh, that plan. So we'll wait for those final results, uh, but we're very happy with the mandate we've been given. Do you want to be Deputy Prime Minister? Uh, that's not a matter for me at all. That's a matter for uh, the Prime Minister. Uh, that decision is taken by her. From my perspective, um, being the Minister of Finance is a big job. Uh, it's a critical job, I think, during this period of time as we as we rebuild and recover from COVID-19, and that's my focus. Do you want it, though? It's just not something I've given any thought to at all, Jess. I've been focused very much on this job of being Finance Minister and, and of working on the campaign. Um, those roles are ones that the Prime Minister decides on. In terms of going forward, Jacinda Ardern last night talked about accelerating change and now without New Zealand first in the mix, you will, and without the Greens effectively, you will be able to do things that you weren't able to do. What difference will not having New Zealand first there make to the Labour Party? Well, look, I'm still very proud of what we achieved over these last three years. And with three parties in the mix, there was always a lot of negotiation that had to go on. But we did do a lot. 
Obviously, if you don't have three parties, it's less complex. And if it's one or if it's two parties uh, involved, that's less complex than three parties. But, you know, I'm still um, positive about what we achieved. I, I mean, I do want to just take an opportunity here to acknowledge um, Winston Peters' long career in, in politics. Him and I have not always agreed on everything. Uh, but clearly New Zealand First uh, made their decision after 2017 that set our government up. We achieved a lot. We're going to be able to achieve um, a lot in the next term as well. That accelerating change, what does that mean to you? Oh, well, I think the Prime Minister covered those matters last night. You know, areas like our, our response to climate change, making sure we do address inequality properly, creating those high-wage jobs by you know, improving the productivity of our economy. What uh, do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is the plan that we laid out at this election. So if we take the example of climate change, you know, we've got a massive year coming up in 2021 when we get the carbon budgets from the Independent Climate Commission. That's in areas like transport, the way we um, generate electricity, the way we um, um, fuel our industrial plants. All of those areas are ones where we can make huge progress uh, with the plan that we've laid out. Talk me through today, what happens now? Are you flying uh, to Auckland to be part of the discussions that are happening here? I am coming up to Auckland today, yep, and we'll be catching up with the Prime Minister and some colleagues and, and starting to chart that course for the implementation of our plan. You know, this is, we're still in the middle of COVID-19, we're still doing the recovery and rebuild work to, to keep people in work and to create those new jobs, so we'll be sitting down and having those discussions today, and then tomorrow the, the, the new and enlarged Labour team gets together, and, and that'll be really great to see some of those people who've worked so hard to win their seats and get in on the list, and, and the work really does start today. In terms of who will be around the Cabinet table, are you considering at all any people that haven't been in Parliament before? I'm thinking like Aisha Verrill, for example. Is she in the mix to be at that top table? Yeah, again, um, obviously the way the Labour Party does um, Cabinet is that the caucus um, um, elects our Cabinet and then the Prime Minister allocates portfolios. So uh, I don't get to answer those questions, Jess. What I do know is that we have an incredibly capable team, both the, the Ministers and the MPs who've served through this last three years and this amazing group of new people who are coming in. And so, you know, there are very, a very wide pool of people to draw from, uh, but ultimately those decisions, I'm just part of that and the Prime Minister allocates the portfolios. Just finally, were you surprised when the numbers started coming in last night? Was it higher than you expected? It was relatively close to where our polling had been in terms of Labour. Uh, and, and I have to say, as I travelled around New Zealand over the last few weeks, I got a very good feeling on the ground. Um, I think there's been a lot of respect for the way the government has led the response to COVID and people were responding to the need for a balanced plan to be able to you know, keep those public services uh, going, make sure we grow the jobs and, and make sure we look after the environment. People saw that plan. And so, you know, I, 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 often I would leave a seat like East Coast or all tacky, and I'd think to myself, I, I think this person here's got a real chance. And so it was great to see that feeling on the ground translate into votes. All right, well, I'll let you go and jump on a plane and catch up with you when you get up here in a few hours' time. Thanks so much for your time Thanks, today. Jess. One of the national MPs to keep his electorate seat is Mark Mitchell, who is with us this morning. Kia ora, good morning. Morning. Jim. How are you feeling about the results? Look, obviously, it's been a very tough um, 24 hours for us. and. Uh, and it's now a matter of us um, not looking back too much, but looking forward, getting back to Wellington on Tuesday, getting ourselves organised. Uh, we're obviously a much smaller caucus, there's 35 of us, so we're going to have to be working much harder. Um, but, you know, the strength of our democracy and our parliament relies on having a strong opposition. Um, and I think the people of New Zealand now expect us to be completely focused on that job. What went wrong? 
Um, I just think that uh, I think that COVID uh, did play a big part. I feel that um, as a country we've suffered so much uh, disruption and uncertainty mm. um, since we've seen the global pandemic is that people don't want too much change in their life. I think it's probably recognition that um, the government had, was seen to have done uh, a reasonable job on it. Um, it wasn't just COVID though, was it? Look, you could argue that there's, there's a whole lot of factors. What, um, what that, would you argue? Well, the, the reality, I think that COVID played a big part. What like, are those other factors, though? So, so during the campaign, I noticed that there was a, there was a lower level of uh, engagement around policy, and often uh, general elections are fought on, um, on opposed, especially the major parties' um, policy planks, and so there was a very low engagement around Who, that. Whose responsibility was that? Well, I mean, the, um, the, every party takes responsibility for their own campaign. I think that, look, I want to acknowledge um, the Prime Minister and, and the Labour Party. They, yeah, ran, but, but, they ran a very good uh, campaign. But, but what but about we, your campaign? Well, we ran a good campaign too, and I want to acknowledge especially our volunteers because I got around the country campaigning uh, mm. with many of our candidates, and we had dedicated volunteers on the ground that actually ran a very good, strong campaign. And if you actually look around the country, there were some real standout mm. um, candidates that actually delivered good results against what was a very big swing. I mean, you said New Zealanders don't like um, uncertainty, but what about the disunity and uncertainty within your caucus? Well, We've seen multiple leadership changes, MPs resigning <laughs> in disgrace, leaking all over the show. Yeah, and that hasn't been easy for us, and, um, and without a doubt... Uh, that would have had some impact uh, in terms of how the public was viewing us as a party, but we've got to fix that now. We have an opportunity to arrive in Wellington on Tuesday and get on and get focused with our job, and our job is to hold the government to account. And we still have a lot to do mm. as a country in the next um, 24 to 36 months. I, I want to read you some comments uh, from a national MP I spoke to last night um, regarding the campaign. Um, this MP said to me, there was no strategy, there was no plan, candidates had zero knowledge about key messages because there were none. You can't sing from the same song sheet if there is no song sheet. So that, there, there'll be an analysis. We do an analysis after every campaign. Do you agree with that? And, and the party will... Um, I'm not going to agree or disagree with any statements that other so you people don't disagree made, with that? But what I would say is that... Um, Just is to be it, clear, you don't disagree with that? He had, there was no strategy, no plan, candidates had zero knowledge about key messages because there were none. You can't sing from the same song sheet if there well, is no song sheet. You, Jack, you're saying that's an individual's view. I don't know whose. I'm asking you if you agree or disagree with it. I, what I agree with is that we have to do an analysis um, of the election, which, which is what we're what going you to make do. Those are, that's a simple message, but, though. But the important thing for us now, um, as a caucus, is to arrive in Wellington on Tuesday, and I, and I can't overstate this, mm. is that we've got to get back on the job, because although we've been very focused on the election, yeah, and I understand okay. that, is that we've got a lot of work to do There's a lot, um, to, obviously, the to, to move forward, sure. Should Judith Collins remain as National Party leader? Yes, Judith. I think Judith had a, um, had a very tough job. And uh, from my, uh, in my view, uh, she worked very hard. And um, you can see by the result that we're up against the swing. And when that happens, it's actually, it doesn't matter who's in the leadership role, it's very, very difficult to um, shift them in. She said if the National Party leader uh, ever led the party to an election result where they uh, had under 35%, then they should be sacked. Yeah, I think that that comment you probably have to take in context, and a lot has happened um, over the last 12 she months. She says this. She says, uh, I know I'm putting a mark up there, which at some stage in the future, if I'm successful, people will say, well, you set that mark. Yes, let me set that mark, 35%. Yeah, I, I think she had a tough job, and I think she really threw herself into it and, and gave it everything that she had. Did you consider challenging Judith, uh, Judith Collins' leadership last night? No, absolutely not, and that's not on the table. It's the furthest thing from my mind. All I'm focused on now is getting back, people, are, I, my sense of it is people are fed up 
and they mm. just want us to get down there and get on with our job. And our job now is to hold the government to account. That still is very important. I want to congratulate David Seymour. Mm -hmm. um, he had a fantastic campaign. He's bringing 10 new MPs in. We will work with them to make sure that we're a good, uh, cohesive block in holding the government to account. It's a big swing against the right, though, isn't it? Do you think national needs to change? Does it need to refresh? Oh, it's a big swing. And look, any political party has to change. And it has to be reflective of the people that it wants to, wants to represent. And it also has to have a very clear vision in terms of what we want to deliver for our country, especially moving into this post-COVID world. That's going to present great opportunities for us, but it presents real challenges as well. Can you rule out challenging Judith Collins' leadership? Absolutely, I can. I'm completely focused on getting down there, making sure that we now get on with our job. At no point you will challenge Judith oh, Collins. I'm not going to challenge Judith Collins for the leadership. Alright, what do you think is the key to being effective in opposition in the next three years? Number one, we have to get organised ourselves. Um, it's going to require high energy uh, national and ACT MPs because we've got a reduced number. Um, but we have to watch very closely now and hold the government to account. Um, like I said, I want to congratulate them on a good campaign and a good win. Much deserved. One of their slogans was um, keep moving. Well, you can move two ways, forward or back. And we want to make sure that actually we keep moving forward now. Thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, National MP Mark Mitchell. Don't forget to drop us a line. We'll get your feedback shortly. Next, is it the end for New Zealand first? Will Winston Peters continue as leader? It's still very quiet here in Russell. No sign of New Zealand first. The balloons are still up, looking a bit deflated, probably a bit like the party itself. Hawke Mayanor, welcome back to Q&A. New Zealand First has missed out on Parliament after slipping under the 5% threshold. The party had hoped that Shane Jones might win the Northland electorate seat, but have a quick look at the numbers in Northland. You can see Nationals' Matt King is currently here. Don't forget, we still have to count the special votes, but at the moment he leads Labour's Willow Jean Prime by approximately 1,000 votes. And Shane Jones there, well behind, with 4,500 votes. We had been hoping Winston Peters would join us this morning or, for that matter, any of the New Zealand First caucus members. So far, they have all turned down our requests. But One News reporter Katie Bradford was at the party gathering in Northland last night. She's with us now. Kia ora, Katie. What's happening there this morning? Kia ora, good morning. Well, not much, not a sign of anyone here. And we only saw Winston Peters for that very, very brief speech last night. Probably one of the shortest on records for him. Uh, he raced out that door so fast, refused to talk to media. No sign of him here yet. We haven't been able to find out whether he will talk to media today or not. Look, Shane Jones did speak to us for quite a long time last night. Uh, left holding the can, really. The only other MP here was Derek Ball, who has been beside Winston Peters the entire campaign. Uh, interesting to note that some of those other senior MP MPs, Fletcher Tabato, Clayton Mitchell, Tracy Martin, none of them were here last night. Uh, and as those results were coming in through the night before Winston even took to the stage, people were starting to leave. So it was a very subdued night. Uh, and while some kept partying quite late, I think, uh, there was uh, certainly not the big crowds that they have hoped they've had in the past. Katie, to what do the party faithful attribute New Zealand First results? 
Well, look, talking to some senior people last night, I think there is, of course, that tsunami of red, that, that support that just went to Labour, and New Zealand First, of course, have suffered as a result of that. But so, uh, talking to some people last night, they said uh, male voters went to ACT, female voters went to Labour. Don't forget that that result they've got uh, is about what New Zealand First were polling through the whole campaign. That surge Winston Peters talked about never came. I think that advanced voting did harm New Zealand First. We saw as a result came in last night, for example, that New Zealand first picked up mm. by about 0.3 of a percent. So as some of those later votes were counted, they got a little bit more support, but nowhere near what they thought last thought. And I think simply they weren't running a campaign for the times. Mm. A lot of Winston Peters policies were policies that have been in place for many elections. They announced a lot of them very late in the campaign. Uh, and and, and, even, and Winston Peters would say, well, he was hamstrung by the fact he couldn't go out and do those town hall meetings that he so loves. Uh, and of course, that bus travelled the entire country up and down. But it simply wasn't enough. I just think New Zealand First did not move with the times as quickly as it needed to. Katie, we're going to focus on Winston Peters in a couple of minutes, but I wanted to ask you about Shane Jones. Did he give you any indication as to what his future might be? Will he stay with the party? No, he talked about how he's always been in fisheries and that will stay uh, his love. Uh, he, of course, is, is, was very upset about losing that seat, mm. and not just losing it, but by losing it by so much. It was interesting that Willow Jean Prime and Matt King were swapping the lead for quite a while there. I mean, that 700-plus margin that Matt King has now, you'd think that he does hold mm. that seat. Uh, Shane Jones feels like he has done a lot for Northland. You know, he does love this region. He, feel like, he feels like he's done a lot. As for the future of the party, you know, they're insisting that they'll be back. Shane Jones saying last night the party will be back in three years. He did say to me that he thinks the future of New Zealand First are not those older grey-haired voters you sit sitting in the town hall. The future of New Zealand First is young Māori, rural and urban Māori looking for, for prosperity, looking for opportunities. He thinks that's where the party lay. But as we know, it's a very, very hard thing to come back from such a devastating uh, defeat there. Um, and, and it's not just about, you know, the, the ground support or voters, mm. but it's about money and resources and energy. And, of course, who stays on as leader? Does Winston Peters stay on as leader? Is Shane Jones going to take over the deputy? Mm. Does he want to? You know, there, there are some massive questions that have of course, we will be trying to get the answers too. Yeah, good luck. Oh, look, behind you, Katie, there's a London cab. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said you were in Northland. Na mihi that is Katie Bradford for us, live in Russell. This is the second time in 27 years New Zealand First has missed out on Parliament. And in the eyes of many voters, it's the end of an era. We don't know yet whether or not Winston Peters will stay on as leader or what shape the party might take going forward. Here's reporter Fina Owen looking back at the long and lively political career of Winston Peters. The younger Winston Peters may have been surprised to know he would still be a politician in the year 2020. Well, everybody's got to get on and retire, and I don't want to be in this job until uh, somebody says I have to go. You know, I suppose give it another 15 years. From his earliest attempt in 1975 at getting into Parliament, the well-turned-out young lawyer displayed his statesmanlike style. We held on to our, to our land because we loved it and because we saw ourselves as trustees for future generations, for generations yet unborn. Entering Parliament as the National MP for Hanua, then Tauranga, he was taken under the wing of Rob Muldoon, who saw a born politician. His first cabinet post was in 1990 as Minister for Māori Affairs. It's then Peter's independent spirit first emerged. He criticised Bolger's fiscal policy, which led to his sacking. 
1993, he decided to go it alone. And today, in our biggest city, we are launching a new political party. New Zealand First was born. Peters and the party quickly got a reputation for wanting to restrict immigration. In the mid-90s, he was embroiled in what was famously known as the wine box inquiry. Mr Young, your first statement is unmitigated drivel with respect. It's a disgrace in a modern civilised society. We're going to have those comments made of council. As a politician, Peters was never far from controversy, as the accuser or accused, always putting up a lively defence. I've had a few. Holding the balance of power at the 1996 election, Peters taught the country how MMP works, taking time to decide which party he'd go with. It seems a pretty relaxed uh, environment, which is sort of surprising, given that that sort of deadline of Parliament sittings coming up. Are you going to discuss the coalition stuff or only in board terms? Well, you know, we're just going to have a talk about things. He went with National and became Deputy Prime Minister and Treasurer. He brought with him the so-called Tight Five, having clinched the Māori seats. Older voters were among New Zealand First's biggest supporters and in 2007, Peters introduced the Super Gold Card, but that didn't help him to return to Parliament the following year. His party enjoyed a resurgence in 2011 and in 2014 he brought 11 MPs into Parliament. The New Zealand First Leader has had two stints at Foreign Affairs Minister and widely regarded as a very good one, particularly popular in the Pacific. Mr Peters, have you got anything to say about... Winston Peters cultivated a well-known disregard for the media. Paying from the provincial growth fund to fund a synthetic horse racing campaign like from this. Christchurch. And you can keep on talking as long as you like, James, but I think it's a disgrace. In this last government, he became known as the handbrake to add to his other titles, kingmaker, queenmaker, game changer and Winnie. To think I did all that. I uh, enjoy politics. I'm fascinated by it. And if ever that should not be the case, then I'll get out. Oh, no. After 45 years around politics, Winston Peters will be remembered for many things. That dazzling smile amongst them. Peters' defeat last night means we won't get to hear what we can only guess would have been a memorable valedictory speech from Love em or Loathe them, a New Zealand legend. Fina Owen with that report. We're back with our panel now. Auckland councillor and Labour Party member Ephesel Collins, lawyer and National Party member Liam here, and the host of Te Ao with Moana on Māori TV, Moana Mania Porto. Ephesel, I will start with you. Is it too early for us to be playing political obituaries for Winston Peters in New Zealand First? No, I don't think it is. I, a disappointing result for uh, New Zealand First and for him. But I think, look, if Jacinda Ardern is going to be the person who reaches out, builds consensus, I wonder if, if in her thinking at the moment, she might be thinking of a posting overseas uh, for Winston Peters to give him a glorious send-off. There's talk of uh, maybe even him coming and doing a valedictory, being invited back to the floor of Parliament. But, yeah, disappointing result for New Zealand First, but definitely not an Expected. Moana, do you think this is the end of New Zealand First? Could we see them again in three years? I suspect it could be the end. Um, I think, you know, New Zealand First and Winston Peters, they're inextricably entwined. Um, 42 years is a long time in Parliament. He's done amazing things in the sense that in, you know, 1996 he took out those um, Māori seats. Um, he helped 
bring in uh, Jacinda Ardern by that decision in the last mm. term. So, you know, I, I, I agree with the festival. I think that um, it would be appropriate for her to make a, um, a, some kind of a overture to Winston Peters. She respects him and he mm. respects her. And they've worked well together in this last term. I mean, you can't say that in previous terms. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I don't know if Shane will sit around, you know, twiddling his thumbs either. Yeah. They need to move for a, a younger Arangatahi group. Well, it's interesting to consider some of the MP who's, who, who will be leaving if, if New Zealand First indeed leaves Parliament. Um, Tracy Martin is one who we haven't focused on much, but is widely respected as a minister, Liam. Yeah, I mean, that, that's very true. But uh, in New Zealand First is Winston Peters, and Winston Peters is New Zealand First. You know, no Winston Peters. No New Zealand first. I yield to nobody in my disdain for that party. I would never vote for them in a million years. But I would also not write Winston Peters off at all. Um, he has he he's come back from the dead multiple mm. times before. Um, back in 2008, we all said what the precedent of the alliance is mm. is that once you're out of Parliament, you can't get back in. He proved proved them wrong. I remember a couple of years ago, somebody asked him about his age and his response was, well, what about Conrad Ardenier, the British German Chancellor, who retired at the age of 87? So he clearly thinks he's 12 more years ahead well, of him. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, he's got, if he's got the fight in, in him mm. and James Shaw telling him, <laughs> I think fishing. you should go fishing, it's exactly that's the enough. type yeah, of thing yeah. that's going to, you know. So, I, look... I, I wouldn't say we've seen the end of him yet, necessarily. You can, you can never rule him out. Yeah, I was just thinking that, you know, when you look at the American elections and you see these mm. two elderly white men, um, you know, dithering away for a couple of hours, I mean, Winston Peters would just nail it over yeah. there. So, yeah, there's, there's, he is a fighter. He is a fighter. Um, but, you know, it's he'd, a... He'd it's be a one lot. of the youngest members of the US Senate. <laughs> <laughs> I know, he would. Yeah. I, I want to pick up on a couple of uh, other bits and pieces that have come out of the interviews since we last spoke. Um, James Shaw says a wealth tax will be something he brings up if they go into some sort of coalition negotiations. I don't think I'd rate his chances at getting it across the line. But, but what does that tell you about... The, the the way in which Labour is likely to govern, Liam, are they likely to go more to the left or try and keep a centre? Absolutely from the centre. And I've been getting texts mm. and emails all the last 12 hours. Oh, isn't it great? We're going to have this great... News, um, the New Zealand public did not become 60% um, solidly left-wing last mm. night. It just... It, that didn't happen. Jacinda Ardern, during the election campaign, ruled out a wealth tax from now until the end of time. She's already ruled out capital gains tax mm. during her, uh, her prime ministership. You interviewed Grant Robertson, and it was a really interesting one. We are rightly lauding the fact that Jacinda Ardern has pulled this off, but we cannot underestimate the influence that he has had. Mm. He developed a mm. very well-received budget by the business community this year. It was moderate. It was conservative. Mm. They know that they have, they have earned the trust of many, a lot of habitual national mm. voters who have lent them their votes. They will not compromise it. And, and when you're in an absolute majority, you don't mm. have to. Interesting comments there too from Mark Mitchell. If you saw, of course, Mark Mitchell had previously challenged for the National Party leadership. He says he will categorically not be challenging Definitely. Judith Collins for the National Party leadership at least any time soon. What did you make of his comments? Yeah, well, I think he looked like the consensus builder. He kept saying, referring to, we've got to rebuild the team, we've got to focus on what's in front of us now. So I think they're going to spend a lot of time reviewing what they were doing. I just think it's interesting with James Shaw, though. Look, James Shaw nearly derailed their campaign with the uh, the Green School. Uh, and so 
I think what we've got at the moment is Labour and National have pulled mm. to the middle and really choked that area. And so you've, you've either got to the right act or more to the left, the mm. Greens. And so without a New Zealand first, you don't really have a centrist party yeah. that could pull either way. Peter Dunn's no longer there. So that's part of the issue here is we govern for the centre. Yeah. Labour might govern for the centre because no one else is occupying that space at the moment. I don't think that our Labour would have got the absolute majority if Peter Dunn was still around. If Peter Dunn was still yeah. there in the middle saying, mm -hmm. I can I can soak yeah. up those votes, I can work with Labour too, yeah. he, would have, he, would, he would have been back on 6%. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know. But I, think it's a little, I think it's a little bit nerve-wracking, um, this move towards the centre myself, because yeah. yep. I was with a whole bunch of um, unionists and workers last night, and, uh, you know, it wasn't like a big balloon went up or anything. <laughs> and particularly for Māori, you know, yeah. when you're yep. talking about we're mm. working for all New Zealanders, suddenly that little window of mm. um, specific targeted uh, Māori strategies mm. by Māori, for Māori, even to Māori as um, Māori Party advocated, um, you know, that starts to, to, starts to get a little bit shaky. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not... Um, I, I guess it, there is a wait-and-see game mm. here, but there, there needs to be, in terms of Māori, I think, there needs to be some strong push for more Māori in Cabinet. Mm. Māori um, caucus leaders and cabinet for it to look, give some confidence to Māori voters. We're going to take a closer look at some of those Māori seat races uh, in just a couple of minutes. One final thought. Um, it was interesting to me at the very least, Liam, that when I put to Mark Mitchell the comments from a national MP I spoke to last night who was incredibly critical of the campaign, Mark wouldn't condemn those comments. Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> this is exactly the problem. I mean... It's um, like it's got to stop. I mean, uh, on the one hand, condemning the comments itself furthers the um, mm. factional infighting. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure what he could have said, but uh, I just think that that type of thing is um, that, that takes a bad situation for national and just makes mm. it so much worse. All right, we'll be back with our panel very shortly. Coming up, as it stands, the Maori Party will have one MP in Parliament, Rawiri Waititi, but that seat could go back to Labour once the special votes are counted. Look, it's, it's been an unprecedented um, campaign. We've had such a long way to come back from. And so to arrive here uh, with this overwhelming support for us is a win, especially, you know, 2020 is the beginning. That is Debbie Ngāriwa-Paka, the co-leader of the Māori Party, speaking at Te Tai Hauauru last night. Welcome back to this Q&A morning after special. As it stands, the Māori Party could have one MP in Parliament. The results at the moment show Rawiri Waititi leading Waiariki from Tamati Coffee, although that seat could still go back to Labour once the special votes are counted. So no one's 100% celebrating here just yet. The party, of course, came into the election only campaigning for electorate votes. Māori Party co-leader John Tamahiri and Rawiri Waititi, tēnā kōrua. Welcome to Q&A. Rawiri, we'll start with you. How are you feeling this morning? Oh, um... Feeling, we're quite exhausted after a long uh, campaign, but um, feeling elated with the results last night, um, and that there's uh, definitely a shift in the people in the in the Waiariki, uh, in terms of the in terms of Māori representation in Parliament. What do you put that down to? Oh, I put that down to um, our people being very strategic about how they how they see their representation and ensuring that they have a uh, a strong Māori voice in Parliament. Mm. They're sick of Labour? Well, I think they, they, they want a voice that's not subjugated or, or assimilated into these major general parties. Uh, the Waiariki is a very Māori mm. uh, electorate and um, they, they turned out uh, in, this, in this election to show that they, uh, that they want 
a Māori voice in, in there representing the interests. What do you think is going to happen once the special votes are counted? Oh, I think Māori Party will be holding a seat in, in Parliament, and um, and this is this was the this is our plan mm. was to get the waka back on the on the on the water, mm. um, and we've relashed and we're ready to go as a rejuvenated waka. Uh, come 2023, uh, it's game on. John Tamahiri, you finished second in Tamaki Makoto, yeah. but you must be pleased with the campaign. Oh, look, um, we 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 knew in May that uh, there was going to be a red tsunami. Mm. The, all, all the polls were just so substantive, so we had to. We had to shift to a uh, candidate-only campaign. That's worked. Our people uh, are savvy enough and smart enough and picked it up. So we launched seven waka into a red tsunami, and one of them breached, <laughs> breached it. <laughs> and so we're really <laughs> proud about that, you know? Yeah. What, why did he breach it? What, what did he do well? Oh, look, um, why, as he said, uh, why did he, Mātātua and uh, Charua peoples, uh, they're, they're big confederations, mm. and uh, his people came out um, big time for him. And uh, he split the vote um, uh, in, in the Tarawa Confederation. Mm. That's all he had to do. And I, I think uh, he'll, he'll get there on the specials as well. OK. It, presuming he gets there on the specials and, and, and is an MP, should he be the co-leader of the Māori Party instead of you? Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's just ipso facto. It follows um, that um, our, our only voice back in the House, a mm. liberated voice, an unapologetic voice for Māori, uh, must be the co-leader. Mm. So what will that mean for you? I'm staying on in Tamaki Makoto. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So 2023 is going to be a doozy, right? Because you don't know. Because <laughs> yeah, it's three years away, JC. Yeah, okay. Well, we're campaigning right now. Yeah, yeah. Right, candidate right. with the Maoris. <laughs> uh, okay. Presuming you do, you do go into Parliament, and, and there is some opportunity for conversations with Labour about a relationship going forward. What would you like that relationship to look like? Um, well, at this time, I can't preempt that because mm. all the cards are sitting with uh, mm. Jacinda at this particular time. Yeah, but what time. would you like? Oh, we, we would definitely like a stronger voice around the decision-making table. Mm. Um, and and my, my my quarter would be around um, if, if Labour wants some political security heading into 2023, I think a discussion with the Māori Party is going to be advantageous for them. OK. Mm. What would be the cost of that relationship? What, what priorities would you put forward a, from a policy perspective? Well, look, this, it's, it's not about uh, compromise. It's about ensuring that our voice is heard. Like I said, we've run an unapologetic mm. campaign and there's an unapologetic uprising in our people. Mm. Um, and that's the difference between this rejuvenated party and maybe other parties in the past. What's the wish list, though? What's the wish list? Well, the wish list ultimately is that, uh, that Māori are self-governing. Mm. And um, the biggest kaupapa for us heading into the next 25 years has been able to uh, have a, have a Māori uh, uh, government that, look, that is able to look after our people because the current system is not working. Mm. It constantly fails us. Mm. And um, so we, we're moving into a space where we want our bit. We don't want mm. all of it. We just want mm. our bit to be able to work with our people effectively yeah, and endurable. JT, so, I want to ask you system. one question about strategy. I remember you and I speaking months ago. Mm. I was in Tetai Hauauru travelling around and you rang me to say, just be very clear, we are only campaigning for Māori electorate votes. We okay. don't want the party votes. So at the moment you're sitting at 1%. <coughs> if you'd made it to 1.2% on the party votes, you'd have at least another end. Yes, but, um, but see, we, we would not have a seat we would not have a seat. If you have a look at the split in the votes, uh, our, our, our people came out uh, late to vote savvy. The early vote hurt us be because um, we, we, we just didn't have enough oxygen mm. to get that story across, right? So if you have a look at the later vote coming through, uh, it, it, it was savvy, it split its vote and it came our way. So uh, we're a chance uh, in four seats in 2023 mm. minimum uh, and then we will go for the party vote as well. 
Is this a whittle for, for Labour's Māori caucus? Is this a challenge? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, uh, it, it is definitely a challenge. Um, and the thing is, it's the challenge back to our people. Mm. So um, this, this campaign was driven on a, a belief, you know, believing in ourselves, mm. to be able to be the voice for ourselves and not be part of these, these uh, uh, older parties, these older general parties that constantly keep us in second place. Mm. It's time for us to step up and make mm. those decisions for ourselves. And that's what we campaigned on, was a, a strong belief in, in, in us, a strong belief mm. in our people, and a strong belief in Māori to be mm. the voice of our people. Kia ora kōrua. Um, John Tamahiri, Rawiri Waititi. Do I call Rawiri the co-leader now, John? Well, we're meeting, funny enough, uh, oh, <laughs> I see. our caucus I meets see. this afternoon. <laughs> and, uh, well, and those, we can't preempt that, but it, but it will happen, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, kia ora kōrua. Thank yeah. you very much for your time. Good luck for the next couple of yeah, weeks. Nice. After the break, we will speak with the head of Labour's Māori caucus. Plus, she was one of the most visible scientists in the pandemic response. Now, Dr Aisha Verrill is preparing for Parliament. She's with us shortly. To Q&A, the Māori Party's surge in support in this election has been described as a fiddle, a challenge for Labour's Māori caucus. On the current results, Labour will hold all but one of the Māori seats and the contest was much closer than many had been expecting. The co-leader of Labour's Māori caucus, Willie Jackson, joins me now. Good morning. Well, How are you feeling? Well, yeah, good. Good. Very proud of the effort from uh, our caucus members and, the, you know, we've got 15 Māori uh, MPs now, biggest Māori caucus ever, so... Very proud of the efforts uh, from everyone yesterday. We're still waiting for those special votes. <coughs> what do you think the chances are in Wairiki? Is it a done deal now, as far as you're concerned? Oh, I think it's uh, it's probably you know a long shot that uh, um, Tamati will get back up. But he's put in a great effort, and uh, he's, he had a hell of a challenge down there. Kapahaki every five minutes down there, and uh, Rotorua and Fakatane, and a strong uh, challenge from Rawiri and JT and the Māori Party. So he stood up well. Uh, but in the end, uh, missed out. And, and Māori seats have their own unique characters, you know, and, and that's a very strong Māori seat in terms of the, our language, in terms of our tikanga, and so it was, it was tough territory for, for Rawiri, but, uh, we, you know, we're proud of how he stood up. What do you think this surge from the Māori Party says about what the job that you did last term for Māori? Well, yes, they, they made a surge. You've got to remember it's easy to surge from nowhere. I mean, they, so they went from zero. But a seat, that's a big deal. Oh, no, no, look, oh, congratulations to them. You know, it's, I thought they were in a terrific campaign. And it says that our people want more, that there's an inequity. Uh, and, and we've done, I mean, as a, as a Māori caucus, I think we've done brilliantly in the last three years, you know. Uh, <clears throat> $1.4 in funding in the, in the last couple of budgets, way ahead of what the Māori Party did before. Kaupapa like Matariki, Kohanga Reo, record funding in Whanau. But they are sending you a message Absolutely. that they want more in yeah. this seat. We all, well, it's not just in the seat, it's in Te Ao Māori, because, you know, our inequity has been huge, and so we're battling against that. And, uh, and uh, you know, they talked about the figures that we should be getting. We're not going to argue with them in terms of that, but the reality is, you you know, you only get incremental change in terms of uh, government uh, sometimes, right. and they've got some great aspirations and dreams, and good on them. One of the big topics, of course, is Ihimato. <coughs> Without Winston Peters, when will you be able to do a deal by well, Christmas? Well, we'll, you know, we've got to talk with the boss. You know, she's uh, she drives that. But soon. Home. Well, we've been talking with them. Uh, we talked with them before. Um, 
uh, Judith Collins got in, and then uh, and then the, obviously things changed. But you know we have a good relationship with the Ehu Matau crew. No, I can't give you a time frame, uh, but we will be talking with uh, um, them. They're, they're one of our uh, priority co-papa, uh, and I'm proud again of the work that our, we've done in Ehu Matau and working with them. Uh, uh, they trust that we'll do the business, and I trust that we'll be able to do it too by Christmas. I can't, is that broad I can't, enough? No, I can't give you a time because right. the boss makes the makes the calls in the end. I heard it was a little bit raucous out in the green room there when you um, crossed paths with John Tamahiri. What was that about? <laughs> oh, you know, he's got a few problems, that bloke, eh? You know, it's... <laughs> no, no. Look, we're all, fa- we're all whānau. We're all friends whānau. We give each other a hard time, but we've all been part of each other's lives forever. Rawiri was our young fella coming through, you know? Sadly, he went off the course and, and joined the Māori party, but... Uh, well, perhaps no, it was the right call, though. Look no, where no, he is but now. We, look, we had a lot of laughs, a lot of fun, a lot of congratulations. I think what we got was a huge endorsement in terms of Māori and Labour. You know, we're talking about around 60% in terms of the party vote. And also they're saying, uh, hey, we, we, we want the Māori Party to uh, to support you. Will we work with them? Of course. Of course we'll work with them. Will, will that be a coalition? Unlikely. Well, well, there's no need for that. But we, will we work with them? We work with them every day, and that should continue over the next three years. All right, we'll have to leave it there, but thank you very sure. much for your time this morning. Sure. Really appreciate it. Some of the most direct language we've heard this morning when it comes to relationships. We're back with our panel now, Auckland Councillor and Labour Party member Fessel Collins, lawyer and National Party member Liam Hare, and the host of Te Ao with Moana on Māori TV, Moana Maniapoto, kia ora koutou. Moana, I will start with you. What do you think of Rāwari Waititi's result? Oh, I think it's very impressive. I mean, but it was always going to be like that. Um, uh, that's my rohe, um, Waiariki, and so, you know, there are multiple tribes there. It's a huge electorate and that's the same for all Māori electorates. It is exciting for um, Māori because there is another contender there now with the Māori party being reinvigorated. I mean they were gone burger mm. a couple of years ago so that's that's going to put some pressure on our Māori um, uh, Labour MPs and they need that. Um, they've done really well in the last three years. It is a first term. Um, they've set up some building blocks um, but you know the reality is, and, and we can all talk about the subjugated, integrated, annihilated kind of scenario machine that we're working with, but the reality is that um, Māori, whether they're in the Māori Labour Caucus or they're the Māori Party, we're all working within a machine that is not a tenorangatiratanga machine. Mm. And so some of the aspects that the Māori Party have been talking about are the trans- constitutional transformational aspects, which sound mm. quite academic, but they're the ones that are going to give us the um, the dovetail into actually making some real change in, in bread and butter issues. So I think that they've set up the framework for a, a good discussion, and it's up to the Māori um, Labour MPs to deliver, and they need to be right in that cabinet mm. to do so. Afiso, is this a message to Labour's Māori MPs? Yeah, well, I still think they've done all right. I have to say, that has oh, to be have, the, the yeah. best leadership transition mm. we've seen in the history of politics. <laughs> mm. eh? On live telly. Yeah, yeah, John, <laughs> I'm saying, yeah but, and that makes sense. And so they've been reinvigorated. I think they're going to work really well together. They remind me of the way the Pacific MPs work. Is, yeah, they, mm. might, they might represent different parties, but in the end they're thinking clear, very clearly about yeah, what the kaupapa mm. is, what's going to be best for Māori or Pacific people. And so I see them working really well together. We've, you know, there've been comments tonight, today that they're all whānau, and that's that's what's going to drive the momentum for Māori to succeed. Yeah, that's what we saw in our sorry, Jack. No, that's please. what we saw in our debates. Well, we didn't really have mm. debates on my show. We had conversations yeah. over kai. 
And when you bring people together and you talk about kaupapa, the commonality is really stark. So there's, there's so much they have in common. I just want to also acknowledge um, Shannon Halbert, mm. uh, who's, you know, i mate tana papa i nanahi. So, you know, that was a, a very um, sad thing. Uh, and, well, you know, he's I might just really explain well. what that means. That, that his, his father died yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So he, he, but he won the North Coast electorate. He did, you know, so all yeah. power to him. And yeah. that, that, that must be um, a very uh, emotional time for oh. his whānau, you know. Yeah. Um, and also acknowledge um, Kiri Tapu, Alan, mm. for her mahi on the East Coast. So, you know, there's, there's been some exciting things happening uh, among our Māori um, la- mm. Labour MPs. W- what do you think of the Māori Party's campaign, Lee? I mean, I, I remember visiting Tariana Turia 18 months ago, perhaps, and at that time... You know, most most betting people would have said the Māori Party didn't stand a chance of returning to Parliament. They didn't know who their leaders were, they didn't really have a cohesive kaupapa, and yet here they are. So I think, for me, the, one of the biggest takeaways is that throughout New Zealand there are a handful of electorates where the voters are canny enough mm. to understand the system and to deploy their electorate mm. vote in the way that will maximise their representation. Um, we've got Epsom, obviously, Wellington Central's done it in the past, and maybe Auckland Central now too. Mm. And the reserved seats are the, they're the, actually the perfect, the best example of it. Because What's a reserved seat? The, the Māori reserved electorates, sorry. Mm. The, reserved? Yeah, well, that's, the Māori that's, that's the legal Māori name. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the legal name. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. they are the, um, but they are, the, um, they are the seats that time and time again, where the voters have been the canniest. They have um, they've voted strategically, mm. and we've, we've, seen, we've seen it come again. So I'm not that surprised that the uh, Māori Party has has done well, because if they um, if they if they could have, if they have, could make a good case for themselves, there was always a possibility. The other thing that I think is just such an irony of New Zealand politics is, of course, that John Tamahiri, he stuck with Labour and um, and 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 didn't uh, walk across the floor over the mm. Foreshore and Seabed Act and. Um, and now he's um, he's helped he bring is. about this this um, uh, this reconciliation. It's, yeah, um, there are there are so many ironies in New Zealand politics. There certainly are. All right, we'll be back with our panel again shortly. We will get their final thoughts as Jacinda Ardern and Labor record a massive win in the 2020 general election. back to this Q&A special. Throughout this year, epidemiologist Dr Aisha Verrill has become a familiar face on Q&A. Of course, we sought her expertise in the COVID-19 response, but now she is set for a change of career, entering Parliament as a List MP for Labour. Aisha Verrill is with us from Porniki from Wellington this morning. Kia ora, good morning. Morena, Jack. How are you feeling? Just so uh, excited, thrilled and proud and grateful. Is it a weird thing to be changing a career in a substantial way like this? Uh, it is It is weird. It's been a weird year, I guess, for me and many other people, though. Uh, but it's also reassuring how many things that are uh, familiar from my past career I'm still involved with. Uh, you introduced me as an epidemiologist, but I'm also a hospital specialist. I work with the public every day that I work in the hospital. And, um, and so the campaign's been a lot about connecting with people, and that was very familiar. Does that mean you're going to be a future health minister? Look, um, I, I don't know what the future holds. Today I'm just focusing on getting um, set to go into Parliament, meeting my future colleagues and working mm. out how we work together as a team to uh, progress the plan that Labor has. What, what do you personally aspire to doing? So I'm really um, 
proud of the work that Labor's done already with COVID and obviously I think that was a, a, a big part of the result yesterday. I certainly want to see us continue that, continue to keep New Zealand safe from that deadly virus. And then more broadly, uh, uh, in the wellbeing and prevention space, I think we have a really strong agenda about smoke-free by 2025. That's really important for the health of our country and particularly for addressing health disparities between Pākehā and Māori. Uh, and then um, we have a really positive agenda about unlo- uh, creating a modern health system, which I want to contribute to as well. I know you say you're not focused on it at the moment, but do you aspire to ministerial positions? I want to make a difference. Does that mean yes? (laughs) You can read into it (laughs) what you want, Jack. (laughs) See, now our relationship has to change. I have to grill you a bit more now. It's it's not like the the good old days. I mean, mean, you must must look at it and think, if I'm going to make the biggest difference possible, then I either want to be at the Cabinet table. Sure, I'm a first-term MP, so that might be a little bit ambitious, but at the very least, an associate health portfolio might be appropriate. Look, I I think that really undervalues the role that members of parliament can have in making positive change. So all of these different roles are unfamiliar to me. I'm going into a new workforce, a workplace. Uh, The processes are unfamiliar. I'm yet to meet many of my colleagues and I just want to be, yeah, I have have skills and a contribution to make, but I want to be humble and recognise that others have great skills and support the team. Uh, through through the health emergency that we're in? We're currently in a health emergency, but are there lessons from COVID-19 that are going to inform your governance in the years ahead? I think it's really important to take the lesson that through this crisis we've learnt what we can achieve through collective action, and I think that's an opportunity to think what else we could, we could do. And I'm pleased to see Labor focus on rheumatic fever in its manifesto as an area where we need to uh, be stronger with prevention and uh, also across our health system as a whole. All right. Thank you very much for your time. Look forward to speaking again shortly and enjoy um, all of the initiations and <coughs> name games and things of the next few weeks. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. There's Dr Aisha Verrill, one of Labor's new MPs. We'll have a quick look at your feedback now. We have had so much over the last 24 hours or so. Noel Narayan posted on Facebook that the result shows Jacinda Ardern's empathetic leadership style will always win over Judith Collins' authoritarian style. Nick Lee tweeted, Simon Bridges wouldn't have had such a devastating loss. That was National's biggest blunder this year. Cathy Hills emailed, Thanks to New Zealand First for choosing to join with Labour after the uh, 2017 election results, creating a fabulous coalition government and giving New Zealand our wonderful Jacinda, lest we forget. Chris Stevens posted, It's a dramatic swing to the left. Now there are no excuses. The heat is well and truly on Labour to set out and produce a rapid transformation. We're going to come back to our panel now this morning. Official Collins, Moana Maniapoto and Liam here, plus One News political editor, Jessica Much Mackay. There is one thing we haven't really focused on this morning. We haven't had time because we've been racing through so much, and that is the swing in some of the rural seats in New Zealand. I, I was astonished as those results came in last night to see the likes of Rangatata um, going to Labour. Liam? Yeah, and that's that's sort of my area. And um, and I, I live in Rangitiki and um, watching the results come in, uh, Ian McKelvey was on the ropes. You know, mm. it was cl- so close. And that's something that nobody predicted, just how much... 
the poor National Party vote was going to bring down those candidates. And as a result of that, um, you know, there were some really good people standing in those seats. Uh, Megan Hands mm. and Arangatata uh, and, 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 and is, a, is a, someone that the National Party needs to keep in the fold in the future, a mm. young liberal woman. And, um, and the fact that she went down in a seat that's so blue on paper and so blue in history. But is that Andrew Falloon's fault? No, because it happened across the country. I mean, Wairarapa. Well, Wairarapa is different because Kieran McInulty had really made that seat his own. Rangitiki is the one you want to look for to see the the Mm. effect because Ian McKelvey is really popular in the electorate. He's personally liked. He's the former mayor. He's got um, appeal on both sides of the aisle, and he got dragged down. And it's the national it's it's the national party that dragged down those candidates. All right. Hey, I'm just going to pause there for a moment. We understand that New Zealand First might be making some sort of public statement. I believe Shane Jones is in Russell and is about to hold a press conference. Let's see if we have him now. Three years ago, I recall the term being used, all roads lead to the first capital of Aotearoa. Three years later, um, the road uh, for New Zealand first is vastly different than what was the case three years ago. But look, um, no doubt the uh, leadership of the party um, will regroup and um, work out the various pathways forward. So what next for New Zealand first? Well, this is um, Sunday morning, and let's just accept the fact that people want to absorb um, the full impact uh, of all of the votes, and um, with a clear mind, then chart a pathway forward. How are your other colleagues feeling? Have you talked to some of the other MPs? Uh, no, given that I consumed about a gallon of red wine last night, I, I haven't spoken. I haven't spoken to Jenny Marcroft. I haven't spoken to anyone. However, um, Winston and I are great mates. We're both from the north, and we're very close. What do you What do you make of Jenny Marcroft going to the Labour Party headquarters last night? Yeah, it sort of reminds me of um, that leadership race when I stood against David Cunliffe and uh, Grant Robertson. And I remember, I remember my other mate Phil Twyford managing to get to both parties. Uh, sadly, not my own. Where we were at the Manurewa RSA. Look, I, I've got. Um, what I would say is that Jenny is a private citizen and no longer a member of Parliament. And what she does and how she does it, that's up to her. Is this defeat far worse than you expected? Sorry. Is this defeat far worse than you expected? Well, on the question of watching those rural seats go red, I'll be very honest with you. I was astounded when I saw um, Jonathan. Young. So Harry Deinhoven's uh, influence in a figurative sense will be back. So no, I was genuinely surprised to see all those reds, the red tide wash out those, um, well, the red tide wash out those tired national MPs. That is uh, outgoing New Zealand First MP Shane Jones speaking to media. Well, Looks like poor Matua Shane is in the hurt box. Matua is talking about parties. Which party? If rural electorates are seeing red, it sounds like he was seeing red last night uh, as well. I'm back with the panel. I think, guys, it would be good to wrap up this morning with, you, with your sort of final thoughts, each of you. Um, Liam, we can start with you and we'll, and we'll sure. speak to am, you. Am I allowed to swear? Um, uh, well, it depends. Okay, it is Sunday morning. Yeah, we're okay, we're okay. probably eating into practice <laughs> time. At the Look, moment, okay, so. it's... Um, for national supporters, and I'm one, it's, it has been a rough 24 hours, but we knew this was coming. It's hard to fight against the tide when the tide's going out, the tide's going out. Uh, but for those things that the party can control, it's got to exercise better control over them going forward.
Right. So, so what you're saying is they need more discipline going forward. The, the one thing that could get them through avoiding a disaster last night, they wouldn't have won, but they would have avoided a disaster, was strong discipline. And that's always been Nationals' hallmark. It's, mm. it's hard to build up and it's easy to throw away. Mm. And um, they've got to do the hard work of building it up again. What is your advice then to, to national MPs and supporters who are watching this programme right now? Well, for supporters, bear in mind that this is part of the normal process for New Zealand politics now. We've seen it happen time and time again. You go, you go out in the cold, um, mm. New Zealanders will give a second chance to the government, they'll give them a second term more times than not. Um, so uh, this too will pass. But uh, for the national MPs, um, don't make any more rash decisions. Just do things in a cold and calculated way. Take your time. Don't be rushed into it by the mm. likes of Jack Tame uh, to make, to <laughs> make any kind of decision. Steady on. <laughs> 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 All right, thank you very much for your time and insights. I know um, you better got any sleep last night whatsoever. Uh, Moana, what are your thoughts reflecting on the results as they stand? Keeping in mind we're still waiting on almost a half a million special votes. Mm, I mean, I think you know Jacinda Ardern, of course, is, has got the magic factor. She's been so impressive, and Māori love her in particular. Um, so, you know, there's no doubt in her leadership. I think, uh, I've just, you know, Mihiatukia Winston, um, he, he ia. it's been a long road for him, and um, I understand why he wouldn't want to front, particularly with you, Jack. Um, but, you know, he's he, they did a lot of stuff with their provincial growth fund. I'm, I'm, I'm quite fascinated that that didn't really kick back on them because I heard lots of good things from um, iwi down in Wapotiki and, and elsewhere that really benefited from that and the Prime Minister's committed to that continuing, that mm. targeted funding committing, um, continuing. Um, I acknowledge Marama Davidson also for her strong uh, run in the uh, Tamaki Makoto seat. Um, but you know this is, a, this is exciting times because we are in a new term now and um, the Māori Party has come back. Um, this is where the rubber hits the road. Um, the next three years, we've heard a lot about... Um, Jacinda has talked often about how the, the Crown um, Māori um, Treaty you know, portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, the um, arafati that oh, um, yeah. Calvin holds is, going, is, going, is the game changer, is the transformational changer. Mm. Now, that's all been about sort of tweaking mm. and making more culturally proficient ministries. But we need to see some um, new models that show a, a, a treaty relationship in action. So that is setting up some mechanisms mm. outside this current um, framework. So, mm. you know, big challenges, and we'll be looking to those Māori MPs they cannot, you know, rest. Ephesal. Oh, ma massive swing to the left. Jacinda Ardern has obviously shown just how good a Prime Minister she is. She'll go down in the history books. And Labour will be excited. More people are running the campaigns, more volunteers, more money coming into the bank account. So that's a real shift for Labour, and they'll be really energised. So congratulations to the team. I think some people to look out for uh, will be the, the likes of Michael Wood, uh, Penny Henare, Willie Jackson, uh, Aisha Vera will be someone that people will be keeping a close eye on mm -hmm. just to see what happens with the Minister ministerial formation and who Jacinda will bring into that group. And exciting for us personally because 10 Pasifika MPs now and four of them will be new uh, seats. And so that's really exciting. And similarly, the Pacific community is going to be looking at these MPs demanding more. Uh, so I think it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a really good mm. uh, term for Labour, but they've really got to deliver on transformation now.
One News political editor, Jessica Muchmakai. Well, I think it was an extraordinary result last night in what's been an extraordinary year. And I know that phrase has been a little bit overused, but we had a huge COVID response. Mm. We then had uh, the second wave in politics. We then had a, a pretty brutal leadership challenge, then another one, and then we staggered into the campaign proper and then the finish line was shifted and did another month on the campaign trail. So I do think it's 2020 will go down in the history books as one of the big years politically. I also think what's exciting now is that yes, it is the end and yes, we've had election night last night and then this is the wash up today, but now we reset and for us in politics, we go back to Wellington and we see who the ministers are, we see who the deputy prime minister is, mm. we see who are heading up those select committees, um, we see people, new MPs, coming in fresh and what they make all of that so even though it is the finish in some ways for us it now begins so we regroup I'm walking out of the studio after this we'll be going and speaking to all the leaders prepping uh, all the stories and getting them ready for six o'clock because again it's a big night wrapping up and going forward and seeing where we go so I do think that election nights are sometimes the full stop but mm -hmm. maybe we've got a few more dots to come for the rest of the year yeah that's interesting because I mean it has been you know, it has been an exhausting year and an exhausting campaign, but there's still a lot of work to go before the summer holiday. Yeah, it is literally the longest year mm. ever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you so much. Keep hitting the vitamin C, Jess. Thanks. <laughs> right, before we uh, finish this Q&A special this morning, we want to share with you some of the best one-liners, some of the best zingers from last night. Catastrophe. There's there's no other word for it. You'd be a mug to get too excited too early. Disappointing night for the National Party, no doubt about that. There's no point uh, sugarcoating things. I stand before you as someone who made a promise three years ago to deliver. It's grim. It's uh, democracy, isn't it? I think there'll be a lot of surprises. Uh, two of our incoming MPs are vegetarians. Honestly, are you surprised how high the numbers are looking at the moment? Uh, a little bit surprised. There is a bowl of streamers here, though, next to me. I don't think those will be getting tossed around. I'm just so stoked. Honestly, this is the campaign that we always dreamed of. Imagine the ingredient has been blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> I'm pretty naked, I'll give you that. Let's keep moving. Yeah, some dramatic scenes there last night. I want to thank my panel one more time this morning. Liam here, Moana Maniopoto, Ephesal Collins, and One News political editor Jessica Much Mackay. Kia ora Koto, thanks for getting up early. I know you were probably looking forward to a bit of a sleep in this morning, so we really appreciate it. Kumotu, that is Q&A for this week. Thanks for watching and now mihikia koto ia koto pānui. Thank you for your contributions. The One News team will keep you up to date with the latest on the formation of the next government. We are off for Labour Weekend next week. This has kind of been Labour Weekend as well, in a sense, hasn't it? But we will see you in a fortnight. Until then, thanks to the Q&A team. Hey ākuenei, kia pai te rānei. See you soon. Q&A is made with the support of New Zealand On Air.